All right, we're going to talk about some guys that want to get to the NFL now. Uh, we're going to get our, our draft guru in here, Spencer Zimmerman, who's been all week long looking at receivers. He stacked his receiver board. He's got some big guys. He's got some small guys. He's got a it's really an interesting board you put together, Spence. So, again, without further ado, let's go. Who's your number one receiver in the 2021 NFL draft? Oh, we got to get him off mute there, Mike. There we go. Sorry, Jeff. Let's start with uh, Jamar Chase at LSU. Uh, so Jamar was one of the uh, opt-outs of the 2020 year. He's 6002, 208. So he's got the size you want. Uh, his sophomore year, so it would have been that Joe Burrow national championship run. He had 84 catches, 1,780 yards, and 20 touchdowns. I mean, he had big-time production. And – there's not much you can't say that Jamar can't do from a wide receiver skill set, an athletic skill set, but what, kind of the thing that I highlight with him is just the strength and balance as a route runner. You know, I think that complements his entire game because, you know, this is a guy that's not getting tipped. You know, he's not getting knocked off his stem or his route. And, you know, you mix that in with the gifted hands, his run after the catch ability. I mean, this is a guy that can, make people miss but also you know there's a play where he's in the slot cover zero you know he's running a slant where he has that slot corner off him and he shakes him and creates a 65 yard touchdown so he has a lot of different tools you know in his tool bag and and, and really where the strength lies and you know why he is the number one receiver is he's going to face some big corners in the nfl you know some really strong physical corners and what he showed you know on that sophomore tape was if you try to press him, he is strong and has enough balance and, and just strength in his hands where he's going to make you miss off that release or he's going to run through your contact. And he has the explosiveness and all the speed you need to, to, to beat you vertically. And then if you're going to play him off, he's going to work you, you know, with his stem, with the foot quickness, with his ability to drive out of breaks and strong hands to catch in stride. So he's really got the blend. Um, I've seen some Amari Cooper comps and, you know, I think that's fair when you think about the, the lower body strength and the balance, but he might be a little more explosive than Amari. I know Amari had great hands at Alabama and battled some, some drops with the Raiders, but uh, this is a special guy. And the, the last thing I want to highlight with him, well, there's two things is again, the level of competition he played in 2019, Trayvon Diggs, AJ Terrell, Trayvon Mullen, Noah, I all first and second round picks that he really had his way with big corners that tried to press him and he showed up and it should just speak to the, the way LSU thought of him. I mean, he was the number one target in the offense with Justin Jefferson, who's a thousand yard receiver in the NFL, former first round picks for the Vikings. So th there's not much you can't say, but good things about Jamar chase. And I, I expect him to go pretty early, you know, in the, in the draft in the first round. Okay. Spencer, this is interesting. Just a couple questions from a, from uh, the personnel guy's standpoint, I want to throw at you, all right? Does taking the year off and opting out, does that help or hinder him going forward into the National Football League? You know, I think from a business decision, you know, you always have to look at, I always try to put myself in the player's shoes, you know, whether it's a contract negotiation or it's a player evaluation. And listen, this is a guy that went out as a true sophomore and had 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns on a national championship team. 
and the competition he faced, I mean, what more does he need to do versus the risk reward? You know, if he could have came out at a sophomore, he would have been a first round pick. So I think you look at that and obviously with COVID and the uniqueness and just the, the, the trend of it being, you know, comfortable with opting out. I'm sure that's questions that teams are asking him because there's not really much in his game. I mean, the effort, the strength, the production, it's all there, you know, the durability he played. So I think it's a question he's going to get asked. He might have some rust early on, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who didn't spend the year sitting on his couch. You know, he, he probably signed with the best agency or one of the top agents. He's probably in a facility that, you know, he's paying thousands and thousands of dollars to, to train at with a dietitian and, and, and all the, you know, the sports science that comes with it. So if anything, you know, it gave a guy, uh, you know, a chance to probably continue to tool his body. So I'm sure those are questions, but, uh, you know, n- nothing that kind of jumps out, you know, that you're worried about. All right. Looking around the league, there's teams, Detroit, Cincinnati, the Jets, Texans, teams looking for a number one. Can this kid, in your opinion, is he a plug and play guy drafting and he can be you, your number one receiver as a rookie? I think he's got a good shot to do it. I mean, that's listen, learning a new offense, uh, acclimating into a game of, of trying to, you know, play against everyone that's as fast and strong and, and as big as you are, there's challenges to it, you know? And I think with Jamar, this is a guy who can go in the slot and obviously play out wide. I think what helps him is, is just the level of comp of the bigger physical press corners he faced that are playing in the NFL that he handled pretty well. So out of the group, definitely, in my opinion, he's, he's the one guy that I think is going to play pretty early, whether he's a number one, I'm not sure right away. Um, that's going to depend where he gets drafted and on the depth chart, but this guy who I think is going to catch quite a bit of balls his rookie year. It's interesting, you know, that, that you made the comment about Jefferson because really, uh, you know, Chase was the guy over Jefferson as a college player. And then now you look at Jefferson and you'd have to say, he's probably the number one. He's WR1 in, in Minnesota right now. Right. So again, I think that's a really valid point for all you guys out there that are looking at receivers and stacking your own boards at home or just looking at the receiver pile. Spence, Spence broke that one down for you, I think, really, really well. All right, who you got at number two? And number two, Jeff, and this is going to be a kind of tying back to your uh, back-in-the-day receiver coach background down at SMU is I think, you know, some of the guys you coached, you know, were – maybe not the highest drafted guys, but have had really productive careers in Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. And I think the most overused term in scouting is natural ball skills, natural hands, smooth hands. And this number two, it's Devonte Smith. And, and this guy has natural ball skills. I mean, he was the Heisman trophy for a winner. He's 6.05. So he's a little over six foot. It's 175 pounds, which is obviously going to be the, the point of contention in all the draft rooms. So, we like to call that term. He's a little wiry, you know, and slight and slender um, and really, really kind of gangly, long limbed, you notice. But I mean, this is a guy who everyone knows. He had 117 catches, 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns and won, won himself the Heisman Trophy on the way. Um, but again, you know, the natural ball skills, I think he's a real smooth snatcher. So he's real fluid in his route running. He snatches the ball. He's got really light feet off his release. You know, that's kind of how he handles presses. He's got that foot suddenness and smoothness. And this guy can run the whole route tree. I mean, just 
just how, how silky smooth he is getting in and out of his break, square cuts, speed cuts. He can run it all. And, and the really impressive thing about him for him is, is to me is the body control and catch radius. I mean, this is a guy that's six foot, but the extension and, you know, the length he has in his arms, he makes some really, really impressive catches, whether it's in the red zone or whether it's, again, in stride and, and kind of catching that ball outside his frame while keeping his, his, uh, his footwork. Um, I mean, this one was a tough one. I'll be honest with you. Between Chase and Smith, um, it wasn't as clear cut for me. You know, I kind of weighed back and forth with it. Why? Because it's hard to bet against a guy like Devontae Smith. I mean, you watch the tape and he just does it at all the levels. You know, when, when I look at a wide receiver, I look at how can they affect the game at the three levels, you know, at the line of scrimmage, catching bubbles, you know, making people miss quickly and early in the RPO game. And then you're looking at the intermediate game. That's that third and five. Can a guy win a route, you know, in tight coverage and create a little bit of separation? And then vertically, you know, how can a guy affect a guy down the field, you know, in the passing game? Can he stretch someone? Can he set someone up and stutter them and then beat them vertically? Devontae Smith can do it all, and he did it all at a really high level against some really talented players. So I don't think you can go wrong with either of these two guys, and I really, really like him. The weight. Listen, 175 is obviously underweight by NFL measurables. Um, but when you watch the tape, he's not a guy that gets tipped or knocked off his stem. You know, he's a lot stronger than people give him credit for. It's actually how he created a lot of his down the field production was beating some of that collision contact and being able to keep his feet. So for me, the the the, the comp that kind of kept coming in my head was, you know, it's a kind of an interesting one is, uh, you know, he gave me Chad Johnson vibes. You know, you know, you see the footwork, that tight precision footwork, the smoothness. And Chad had a great catch radius about him, the way he would be able to go outside his frame and snatch the football. And um, Devontae might be a little more talented after the catch than Chad, too, to mix that in. But that's kind of what I saw. And that Chad was a number one receiver, you know. So to me, Devontae is still that number one receiver, you know. So an easy number two for me in a first round pick. All right. Great. I thought great comparison. In, in one regard, you, you mentioned a guy that he reminds me of, except he's faster, right? And that's Emmanuel Sanders, because that's almost Emmanuel's body size. And I thought, again, one of the concerns about him was he's so narrow boned, especially in his lower body like this kid is. And Emmanuel was not any bigger than that when he came out, 175 pounds. But because of his footwork and because of his long arms, he, you know, he can kind of play through that size issue. Now, again, you always worry about their ability to, you know, sustain a career over time at that size. But I think sometimes that, especially the way the game has changed, I think that's a little overrated now right. uh, when, when you look at a guy. But certainly he has the ability to catch a, body, catch a ball off his body. He's got great speed. And he is, I mean, he, the thing I always go back to, Spence, to me when I look at a player, if I know that that guy has been coached hard in a great college offense and, you know, Sarkeesian ran a pro style offense at Alabama, you know, this kid's been coached hard. You know, this kid's been, you know, he does, he has to do things the right way or he's, you know, even his talent is he's not going to get on the field at Alabama. I always give it this kind of kid a little bit of a, a little bonus. We're talking line yap today, and I give this kid a little bit of line yap for, you know, having been at Alabama. So I like that. I like him a bunch. Who you got at three? 
Yeah, number three is going to be a teammate of his, uh, Jalen Waddle. So Jalen's a 5096, a little under 5'10, 182 pounds. Um, he actually came out as a junior. Devontae was a senior, just for people to know. And uh, Jalen had a, you know, he had a, started off really, really hot and um, just had a really nasty ankle injury that kind of shelved him for a little while. But he is, uh, so he had 28 catches, 591 yards, and four touchdowns, again, limited action. The thing that jumps out to me, and it kind of sums up his playing style. He averaged 21.1 yards a catch, and that's kind of what he is. He's a vertical stretcher. You know, he's going to take the top off a of defense. So you're going to see a guy that has, you know, really high end speed. You know, he's explosive. He eats up space and cushion of a DB and off. Um, he can track the football. And again, he's just going to sh- uh, vertically stretch the defense to the breaking point where. He's going to get open, and that's kind of what he did at Alabama. I think the thing that um, you know why he's at number three because this is a real interesting one is I think everyone's coveting speed in football and in the NFL, and there's been a lot of these you know fast, really explosive, high end kind of you know I don't want to call him a track star type player, but really probably could you know be a sprinter if he wanted to. Um, but the things about him is there's toughness with him. You know, it's not just a guy that's going to run and you're going to see him blazing by people. That's a guy that's going to work in the middle of the field, you know, and catch that post, you know, when the middle field safety sitting there, you know, uh, waiting to give him a kidney shot. And he did it, um, you know, and, and, and I think for him, it's going to be just the right scheme that wants to covet somebody of his skill set. You know, I don't, I don't want to just kind of box him up as a vertical stretcher. I mean, that's what he does well, but he does have some, you know, explosive off the line, you know, in the RPO game, catching those quick slants and, you know, creating a little bit after the catch. He's actually, to me, not as elusive as Devontae. I think that was an underrated skill of Devontae is how elusive he was in tight areas. But you can't you can't coach or you can't teach his speed as an explosiveness that he has. And he just outruns coverage. I mean, Jim, I want to give Jim Nagy, the senior bowl director, credit for this, but I saw the same thing on tape against Missouri. If, if fans can go check out Jim's Twitter, he posted a, a clip of him against Missouri where Jalen's in the slot and they're trying to bracket him. So what, what that means is they have the slot corner and outside leverage, and they have a safe kind of robbed up at 12 yards inside leverage. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to bracket him to take away whether he breaks out. They have a corner there in that position, whether he breaks in, they have the safety there. And Jalen releases and the corner's kind of uptight and bumped. He releases around the corner, stacks the corner. With, so what I mean by stack is he gets his body in front of the corner, outruns the safety who had 12 yards of cushion for a touchdown in the red zone. Like he has that type of explosive speed, which is rare, you know, and, and teams are going to covet that. And that's why I do think, you know, he's going to be a first round type prospect. Again, it's just going to be the right fit because we've seen some of these skill sets get nabbed up in the first round and maybe not haven't matched, you know, their draft position. So I think for him, it's just having that plan for him um, is going to be vital, but he's a, I mean, he's a talented guy. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's interesting. Now you talk about guys and like comparisons. And there was a guy that came out a couple of years ago with this kind of speed, John Ross, that never has done a he had piss to drop, as we say in the national football league. And then on the other hand, for other reasons, a guy like Tyreek Hill came out later, but not because of football reasons. And he's been a, you know, he's kind of changed the game, if you will. Everybody's looking for this. That's who I get a vibe, a Tyreek Hill vibe out of this guy. And I think you're right about Spence. It's all about fit. If if somebody will 
put him in an offense and do some of the things that they've done with Tyreek and run the, you know, the, the speed sweeps and, you know, get this guy the ball and let him make plays with the ball in his hands. Because I think he is a dynamic, dynamic guy. And that speed is something you can't coach. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, it's interesting. I think everyone is looking for that Tyreek Hill. Uh, we'll talk about another guy that actually does remind me of Tyreek Hill. But uh, I think, and I've seen Tyreek live. I've got to scout Tyreek live. He is the fastest football player, you know, I've seen in my nine years of scouting. And I think that's always hard to replicate somebody like that. When And when I look at some of the guys that have come before him in Jalen's skill set, I look at a guy like Will Fuller. You know, I look at a guy like uh, John Ross is an interesting one. I look at a guy like obviously his teammate, Henry Ruggs, that got drafted the year before him. Right. You know, I look at a guy like Hollywood Brown. And um, again, it's hard to acclimate those guys if you don't have a plan and use them. But I want to give Jalen a little bit of credit here. And this is kind of goes back to the whole Landon Dickerson talk that we talked about. This again is a guy that had a really, really bad ankle injury, you know, missed numerous amounts of games and was playing less than they said 60, 70% to dress for that national championship game. This is somebody who he already had a first round, you know, grade on him. He was coming out based off his first six games of tape and actually dressed and suited up for that game hobbling to be out there. And, and I think that's going to be noted as football and winning games matters to him. And I think that's the toughness. That's the mental makeup. Th those are all the things that, uh, you know, it was, it's a great segue because, you know, you watch Colin's interview prior to yours and that's the stuff that is so vital in scouting is like when you're interviewing a player, when you're digging into their background, you want people that are in it for the right reasons that'll play football for free, you know, without a paycheck. And, um, it, I just thought it was interesting to me that again, Jalen was another guy that came back and you, you'll watch the tape. I mean, he's limping at times, his ankles heavily taped and, you know, he wants to win a championship, you know, for, for, you know, and help the program. So just thought that was an important thing to note just while evaluating him. Well, that's, that's again, that's, we talk about scouting all the time and it's scouting's more than numbers. Scouting's more than even watching the tape. Scouting's knowing the prospect, knowing the individual. And I think that's a great point. All right. Who we got it for? Yeah, four when, you know, we're kind of a good segue talking about Tyreek Hill and how everyone's kind of coveting that Tyreek Hill skill set. And you got a guy at the University of Florida, Kadarius Tony, who's actually, you know, five one one two, so just under six feet, kind of a really good size for this type of, you know, skill set uh, that uh, that he possesses. And he had a great senior year. He had 70 catches, 984 yards, 10 touchdowns, added another 161 yards on the ground as a, as a rusher for another touchdown. And you know, you look at Kadarius and, and it's just he has this balanced, high end athletic profile. He's got speed. He's got explosiveness. He's got balance. He's got flexibility. He's got change of direction, quickness, uh, elevation. I mean, he's just got it all. I thought, you know, for him, he's just one of the most elusive playmakers in the draft. So you see that this and, and he works primarily from the slot. You know, so you see a lot of stop and start quickness and he can kind of freeze defenders you know, with some shake and stutter and kind of create in the intermediate. And he's got all the speed he needs to go vertically. And then, you know, Florida will line up in the backfield and he is a very, very creative runner. You know, he's got balance. You know, he has decisive cutting ability. He's got some strength to kind of break and spin out of tackles. Um, for, for some old Bills fans, actually as a receiver, you know, I, I, he has this 
if you remember Stevie Johnson, he kind of has that Stevie Johnson dead leg release where he can set people up. And the the interesting thing about him is he actually has a really kind of when, when you talk about him, you talk about the athletic tools. I thought he had some underrated kind of unrefined ball skills. So what I mean by that is just it maybe doesn't look uh, traditionally conventional, kind of looks unorthodox, but the catch radius is there. I mean, he's scooping you know, like a shortstop, these low balls are then elevating easily for these balls over his head to catch it. So again, kind of he, he he narrows down to this. He's just an explosive run after the catch offensive weapon. Um, and I think for him to be successful, you know, you need to commit to kind of manufacturing some touches for him. But Florida did a good job of that. And I think th- the potential there is big. I mean, the upside is huge with him because I think there's a lot of nuances of the wide receiver, you know, he's still going to grow into. Um, to be that kind of starting full-time slot. But this is a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands, and he's got the speed to get the corner. He's got the quickness and, and elusiveness to make you miss in tight spaces. And he's got the ball skills to make those high-contested catches. So I just think he's a really, really interesting um, you know, prospect that has a super high ceiling. It's just going to be, you know, when we're talking about it, there's, there's, there's kind of – some layers to it, you know, the scheme is, can we, you know, and this is where the coordinators this is where the coaches come in. How are we going to get this guy involved in the offense to grow him? Right. Because like you only get better really by playing, you know, practice takes you so far as how are we going to get this guy involved in our offense early so he can reach his potential. And then it's on the player, you know, it's on the player to be, is he going to be the same guy when he has $4 million in his bank account? You know, is he going to be the same guy that when he doesn't have, you know, mandatory this in college and mandatory that, is he going to do the things to maximize his potential? So, you know, I think this guy's got a high range, but he has first round tools. So I'm interested to see where he goes in the draft as teams dig into the, uh, you know, the other side, that that character profile of everything. Now, number five took you some time. And I can understand why, because you had a good group of guys all competing for your fifth spot. I like the guy. I really like the kid you took at number five. Kind of under the under the radar guy a little bit, or under the wire guy. You don't wasn't a guy going into the year that you was like, oh my gosh. But I tell you what, I've watched him play, and he can play. So give us your fifth. Yeah, number five was tricky. I think there's going to be a good clump of guys in two to four, um, kind of like you alluded to, Jeff, and a lot of run after the catch skill set guys. And I don't think, you know, everyone wants that prototypical outside bigger body player, but I don't think you can force it. I think you got to kind of take what, what the draft gives you skill set wise. And number five is going to be Elijah Moore, you know, out of, out of Mississippi University. He's 5085, so he's a little undersized for the position, 185. So he's got a nice, thick, you know, compact build to him. And he had a great year as a junior. He had 86 catches, 1,193 yards, and eight touchdowns. And, you know, Elijah's skill set kind of boils down to this. He's a real sudden short stepper. You know, he's got that tight, really compact stride who can just explode out of his breaks and create a lot of, you know, uh, separation as a route runner. And he's another player, you know, like Kadarius, who can affect the game at all levels. You know, this is a guy that what really kind of got me onto him was watching him as a ball carrier where Ole Miss would line him up in the backfield as a running back and he'd take inside zones, he'd take counters and you'd see that lateral quickness, you know, that toughness to kind of mix it up in the box and, you know, create some really nice runs, you know, create some first downs, some explosives. So that part of his game was really interesting to me. And we'll kind of get that, get to that at the end. And then as an intermediate player, and this is kind of what separated it for me is 
as a slot player, you need to be able to work over the middle. You know, you need to be able, especially in this, you know, you're seeing a lot of teams sprinkling the RPO game. You need to be tough enough and have that ability to have what I call high traffic catch concentration. You need to be able to suck up the ball when you got a linebacker sitting there waiting in the hole, you got a safety running down, you got the corner over top of you. And Elijah did that. And then to top it all off, I mean, the suddenness and just the snap he has as a route runner, he can separate out wide, you know, working comebacks. He's great working stutters. You know, you see him catch big plays on sluggos or generate pass interferences. And this is a guy, again, he's undersized. He's 5085. He's probably going to be a slot only in the NFL. But this is a guy who played Alabama, you know, and matched up against good corners. You know, he played in against SEC competition and they had a tough time covering him. And I think what's going to be the determining factor of where he goes is going to be just the, t- just the pro day element to it. You know, I don't think he's a four, four guy. He might surprise me. I see him as kind of a, a low four five, but the agility I expect to be really high. I think he's going to jump, you know, all the broad, the vertical, I think he's going to do really well in that. That's just going to verify he's that type of athlete that you see on tape. But the, the comp that kind of gave me with him was he gave me as a receiver, Brandon cooks, kind of a Brandon Cooks skill set with kind of the stutter and the suddenness and the quickness, but he has that positionless football element where this is a guy that, you know, when you talk about matchups in the NFL, this is somebody that you can get your running back to motion out, get a linebacker, a run stuffer out of the box, bring him into the box with a safety or a DB in there and start running inside zone and pick up first downs. Cause he has that type of run instinct, you know, that instinctive running skills and the quickness. So I just think it's something that's going to be coveted in the NFL. And uh, I could see him going, you know, probably, you know, he's definitely going to be in that top 50 player pool. So it'd be interesting to see where he shakes out. All right. We got some questions for you today, Spence. And it's awesome because, you know, again, Spence is a, is a, uh, is an expert in this field. Spencer, do you ever second guess your scouting grades? When do you apply your final grades? That comes from Ireland, Fred Flom. I think that's a great question. So I think, uh, some of the mentors I've learned with, you need to have conviction in what you're scouting. But at the same time, you need to be open-minded to seeing out the whole process. This is this is a first take of the process. So if this if I was to conventionally scout for a professional team, kind of how it would work is, you know, through the spring of that junior year, the sophomore year, the player teams would start be gathering all the background, starting to kind of profile the player. Then you're tracking them and you're watching tapes through their senior season. You're visiting the school. You're trying to cultivate sources. You're trying to talk to trainers, uh, strength coaches, position coaches, the academic counselor. You want to know as much as you can about the player. And then you put a then, you know, scouts will put a first, you know, a first report on them. And then this will be done in the first half of the season. Then, you know, those A prospects, these prospects we're talking about, these top 50 prospects, a scout will go back into the school. And then they'll do another, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll re-verify their sources. They'll do another three or four tapes on the player. And then they'll put in, you know, that first grade on the player that will get, you know, sent up to their, uh, you know, the directors, the GMs. And then comes the off-season process. And I think that's just integral is, you know, we talked about it. We touched on it a little bit with, uh, you know, with Kadarius and, and just some of these prospects that have these ceilings but also could have a lower floor is, all the background needs to be verified. And that part comes in in the backgrounds, not just their character, it's their football intelligence. 
that's where the coaches will put them up on the board. You know, we'll see how they learn and we'll see how they can, you know, operate in an NFL facility and, and obviously having less kind of of the resources they might have in a college setting. So in a long winded way to answer your question, uh, yeah, second guess all the time. And what I do is I'll go back through the tape again and I'll kind of start. And that's kind of what happened with some of these players is you'll go back through the tape and then you go through the tape and you try to project how they fit, you know, in your building and how they're going to fit in your offense or defense or special teams and how they're going to fit in your locker room. And I think that's how you kind of separate stacks with the player, but you got to have conviction and then you have to learn from, from your misses. Everyone's going to miss in this community. It's about reflecting on why you missed, you know, was it the tape? Was it the player's profile? Was it the scheme fit and the good teams evaluate that and try to correct that going forward. All right. Now fans, we are going to stack our board and we're going to have a draft show the week before the draft and we will stack our board just like an NFL team stacks its board. And then we'll go through basically a mock draft as just so that you get a sense of what that whole thing is, is all about. So again, I got one more question here. I think Michael for Spence It's Mark T says, have you any dark horse pick at wide receiver that you haven't mentioned? Mm, it's a good question. There's a, uh... So it's an, that's actually an interesting one for a lot of reasons is I think you're going to hear, especially in the, that two to four rounds, there's a good clump of guys that you're going to hear about Rondell Moore out of Purdue, Tutu Atwell, Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Frank Darby. So there's a good kind of group of guys pushing. That's why that five stuff, that, uh, that the fifth guy in our stack was a little bit tricky kind of, cause I think it's going to be based on dealer's choice, you know, the scheme, the fit in the locker room, all those kind of non-football uh, intangibles. But I'll give you one that I think I really liked him. He had, um, you know, he, he had some issues this year at Texas Tech where he missed some games for off-the-field reasons. But T.J. Vasher out of Texas Tech, if you, if you guys want to check him out, I mean, this is a guy who's 6'5", 195, more of a one-speed, but the catch radius, the big playability. I mean, he's an NFL prototype X um, so obviously there's going to be some questions on why he missed some games this year, but the, the, the tools, the big playability, the catch radius, I mean, he's a really interesting guy to see where he gets slotted. He's got a lot of upside. He, he has starter potential. It's just going to be some of the, all the, the verification along the way. All right, Spence. Um, I think that, uh, when you talk about that kid, you know who I, I, you know who I saw was Crabtree, mm. you know? Kind of like you say, a one-speed guy, real productive college player, will be a good pro. How high that ceiling is is going to be the interesting thing to me. I and and again, the off-field issues, you know, are are something that you know we can talk about later. But great job again, my man. You do an awesome job every week for us. Now, I know this is probably going to pain you as an offensive ex-offensive lineman, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to go over to the other side of the ball next week, Big Daddy. And we want to start with looking at the inside guys. I'm talking about the big nasties, the ones that put their hands on the ground, the one that made your life so miserable when you were playing center. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the defensive interior guys. And I don't want to call them tackles. I just want to say interior guys, whether it's a you know a two-gap nose tackle or you know a one-gap free technique. We're going to look let you pick for us your top five inside defensive linemen 
next week on our 40th episode of Coffee with Coach. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Talk soon. Great job.